Well, good morning, Wellington. How are we? Good. You can grab a seat, give someone a high five. Congratulate them on winning the rugby last night. It was a good, good team effort. Awesome. I love what God's doing right now in Equipus. Uh, I love what he's doing uh, right across uh, the globe, right across New Zealand. Uh, I love what he's doing in Christchurch. And uh, I wanted to share a wee bit of, of what God's been doing in my life right now because it's been a couple of years. I w- uh, it's, a, it's funny, I nearly always keep a track of where I've been, when I've been, and what I've said, but there is one visit to Wellington that's been just kind of deleted off the, the book of life on my iPad. Uh, so my last time I was here, it was really awesome, but um, I just want to kind of share a wee bit about what God's been doing, and, and just by way of a testimony, and uh, I, I think it's, it's been exciting, because we, we, we actually planted our church eight years ago, this uh, May just gone, uh, and, and I remember... Uh, somewhere quite early on, I think just around at the time we planted, that time we launched, Nigel and Tina turned up, and uh, it was awesome to have them part of us. They were, for a long time, the only couple that were older than us in the church. Not by much, mind you, not by much, but uh, just by a little bit. Uh, and, and it felt like for a couple of years, probably two and a half years, probably three years if we're honest, there was a lot of pushing and no results. You know, there was, there was like a lot of effort and not a lot of momentum. And, uh, and then over time, uh, we, we, we've seen a shift and a change in that dynamic. It's been quite exciting. And uh, I send you greetings from our church. Our church right now, we're ministering in uh, once a month. We, we, we are on the preach. We preach in Westport and Nelson uh, and in Timaru as well as at home. So we always have teams everywhere. And so uh, it's quite exciting uh, just seeing what God's doing around uh, just different spheres and, and in different different places. So... Uh, I think currently this year we really felt God led us into kind of launching into another service. Um, and you know when you make those steps of faith, you kind of step out and you're like, okay. So we announced it to the church. It's been in my heart for kind of four or five months. And then we announced it to the church one Sunday in February that in March, you know, the start of February said in March we're going to go to three services. And the next Sunday, nobody came to church. We had our lowest service for, for, for ages. In fact, if we had halved that number, there would have been less than nobody at church. It would have been like a negative number. Uh, and then we, but we did that, and we, we believed it was God, and the, we had a conviction about it as a team, and so we did that. And it's just been an exciting year. We've seen uh, this year over 115 people make salvation responses on Sundays, uh, which is awesome. Uh, and and like I was at a, uh, we had a vision night uh, just a couple of, oh, probably last month I think it was a vision night. And uh, we in that vision night, I wasn't actually at it because I double booked myself. Uh, I was doing someone else's vision night in, in Napier, but um. But we had 105 people at the vision night, and we had 39 e-group leaders at the e-group leaders' dinner. Uh, and so it's just been exciting to see what God's done. And there's a, there's a, a bit of uh, what we feel like is God's added a wee bit of momentum. And I want to just prophetically, just something I picked up on, and I've only been in the room for like an hour. But I just believe that God is doing something in Wellington Equippers. He's actually pushing you together, uh, forcing you together. Even I actually believe that some of you need to not be resistant and let, let God force you together because what He wants to do is start with a, a cohesive team. And He wants to start with it, uh, and He'll push it together until it's together. Either you're, you're in or you're out, and then He'll say, I can, I, can, I can grow with that. I can plant with that. I can, I can sow with that seed once there's a togetherness. And, and I actually believe there's, there's actually a challenge prophetically this morning. It's got nothing to do with what I'm preaching, but there, there are people in this room and you're almost resisting being pushed together. And I actually believe God would just want to encourage you. This is, good. This is going to be a good seed and it's going to be a good, a good movement and God's going to add something to it. But He's actually allowed the time for you to get in. 
So maybe you're even listening to this recording because you're not here this morning. And I just want to encourage you, let God position you as He would. Amen? So I want to talk about momentum because we've done a whole theme on Momentum May uh, in our church. And, and it fits really well in with the kingdom because I believe the kingdom uh, of God, there's, there's, there's moments when God does something in time, yeah? People understand that? Yeah, there's moments when God does something. And if you read and follow some of the great moves of God, thanks, guys, uh, some of the great moves of God in time, it's like to start with it seemed like nothing was happening, but then eventually when everyone else starts to notice it, it's like it can't stop almost. There's a momentum in the kingdom. And, and really uh, God said that you know, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Bible it says that the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and uh, forceful men and women lay hold of it. And there's this kind of sense of the momentum of God. And sometimes it's easy for us to miss that. Do you know actually that Christianity is, is spreading faster than the global birth rate? Did you know that? That we're actually advancing faster than the, the glo- So we're, we're on this momentum push to take over the world. Uh, there's some people in the front row convinced, so I'm not so sure about the back row. Just so you know, I can see you all, just. So I, I think that God wants to do something and add momentum. And I had a lot of studies of momentum, and there's two pictures of momentum I want to share with you this morning. One is when you try and push start a car. Have you ever tried to push start a car? Yeah. I have all sorts of experiences with pushed out in cars and towing, toast out in cars and towing cars, and some of them are quite humorous, and we won't share so much of them. Uh, but needless to say, one of my friends got a dangerous driving charge uh, uh, for a car that he wasn't actually in the driver's seat of, which is quite unique. And the whole court even laughed about it when he pointed out he shouldn't be charged with dangerous driving. But he was trying to get into the car as the car was taking off out of control. Uh, he was just a wee bit late. So he was diving through the window, uh, which is what he, I suppose, the only part of the time he was actually driving when he got dangerous driving, uh, as they hit the traffic light control box and wiped out all the traffic lights in a city intersection. So, so I've, I've learned a bit, but you know how you, when you're going to start to push out a car, and it's, it's kind of like, you know, you, you start, and it feels like you're going nowhere to start with, yeah? You know, and, 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 then, and then over time, you kind of start to see something kind of move, and, and, and then... As it gets going, if you've got a competent driver, and that's a really big proviso in my experience, they need to know what gear and what moment to drop that clutch. Uh, uh, but if they get that right, then suddenly the car starts and you kind of take off. And uh, I quite enjoy that moment uh, if it's successful. I don't like that moment when it's not because then you have to start again and push again. Uh, but there's that transfer moment. And, and in Matthew 13, 31, Jesus just talks about this and he, he says... The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's planted in the field. Now, I'm holding up my fingers like I've got a mustard seed. You wouldn't know if I had a mustard seed between my fingers or not because it's so small, you really wouldn't see it. It's only about a millimeter. I don't actually have one, but I found that holding one up in sermon illustrations is entirely pointless. So I can just pretend and hold this up. But it's like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And it says, uh, uh, it is the smallest of all seeds, uh, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and the birds come and make its nests and its branches. And, and so this morning I just want to share a thought because I believe in the kingdom that, that, that God wants to add momentum to things, but there's, there's, there's things we need to understand about momentum. Uh, and, and some real simple thoughts for you. I'm, I'm really sharing from my journey uh, and when, when we say we're sharing from our journey, we really mean we're sharing from all our mistakes. That's, that's what a journey is made up of, a whole lot of mistakes that we've learned from over time. And um, 
So, so in my journey, and I just want to explain a wee bit, so I'm, I'm, I'm bivocational, not out of convenience or out of necessarily even desire, but out of obedience. Uh, in my spare time, I'm a dentist. Uh, and last time I was here, I was just about to buy a dental practice uh, in Christchurch, and I now bought that dental practice, and I, I worked there about 16 hours a week on a, on a busy week. I then also pastor our church, but we've got a great team. And in my journey, kind of side by side with being in, 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 a, in a marketplace and in a medical area and now as a business owner, there's just been this theme for me of, of uh, taking steps of faith uh, and giving. And so my wife and I have been married 13 and a half years, and she's by far and away my better third. Uh, but but um, we, we have been doing this journey of faith in our giving, and so I just want to share it because it'll just give a backdrop, if you like, to paint it. And so we started out in our first year marriage, and I was working in uh, facial surgery, and we went from being married working students, uh, sorry, from single students to being married working parents uh, in 10 months and two days. We were that couple that everybody laughed at at church uh, because uh, we couldn't keep it a secret because two days after we found out we are pregnant, Karen started vomiting, and that didn't stop. Uh, and so it was, it was a great journey. Uh, mentioning journeys made up of mistakes. Uh, <laughs> not that my daughter's a mistake. I'm not, no, not saying that. But we started off, some of the things we did well and some of the things we did badly, but one of the things we did well is to start to trust God in our giving. And so we, we, we started off in our married life just on a single income, expecting to be on two incomes, but on a single income. And we gave 10% of what we had to the local church, uh, what we received. And, and then we also stepped out in offerings. And the first year we stepped out and gave another 10% in an offering. Uh, and that went on for quite a while. We, we would trust God, and we'd, we'd ask God for a number, and we would give in our offerings. We'd keep paying our tithe and all that sort of thing, and that went on and on. And over time, it got to the end of our first year of marriage, and uh, it was a busy year. We were kind of, and I, I shared a bit of the story last time, but some of you won't, weren't listening, so I'll tell you again. Uh, on a busy week when I was on call, we were working about 90 hours a week, uh, up to 90 hours a week. And on a quiet week, it was 45 hours a week. Uh, the next year, I got employed by a boss who was wanting to employ me full-time, but then came back two weeks after it offered me the full-time job and said, how about I pay you more and you work less? And of course, like you, I prayed about that for about 22 seconds and said, yes. And then uh, on that journey, uh, it turned out that as we trusted God in our giving, we would make outrageous steps of faith, which didn't work on our balance, didn't work on our budget, uh, didn't work on our income. And we were then 22 months Sorry, 26 months married with two kids. So two years, two months married with two kids. I said that horribly wrong. Two kids. Uh, and, and I started working less, uh, volunteering more at church, giving more, and then making more money. And this kind of went on and on until eventually in Dunedin, we were working, I was working 20 hours a week, volunteering about 40 hours a week, making two and a half times what I made in facial surgery, and seeing God just bless us in all sorts of ways. And so this was kind of this weird journey. And so 13 and a half years into that journey, uh, we, we, were, we were given the opportunity to buy a business. I submitted that to Pastor Bruce because I knew that made challenge around my life. And I knew he'd just said no to another pastor. who said, hey, how about I go and do this as well as being a pastor? And he just said no. Uh, and then he, he turned to me and said, go for it. It's your inheritance. And so I did. And we felt like God led us into a decision to give 10% of our business income, not 10% of our business profit. So that was another step of faith, and we had a whole lot of debt to pay off and all this sort of thing. And so on the journey, we, we kept trusting God and kept making these ridiculous decisions that didn't line up in faith. So our testimony is after owning the business for 22 months, uh, 
we'd not only given in obedience to what we felt God led us into, and that had led to an amount that was completely unsustainable. If you looked at the business books beforehand and looked at the business books afterwards, it didn't make sense. We couldn't have afforded to do this uh, because we had debt to pay, we had rent to pay, all of these other things. We should have been running to the negative, but we, we trusted God in that. And in the first uh, year of owning the business, we gave uh, just over 100000 uh, in the second year of owning a business, we, own, we gave just over 150000 um, And the testimony is we also paid the business off in, with unsecured debt in 22 months. So that's, that's the kind of momentum that we've, we've seen. And so I, I wanted to share about it because it's, it sometimes starts off real small, so small that you look at it between your fingers and you can't really see it because that's the way the kingdom works. You know, we pray for forests, God gives us seed. You know, we, we pray for Wellington City, and God gives us two friends. We, we, we pray for influence in an area, and we get the cleaning job in the company. Uh, and, and, and the God wants to add a momentum. And so I just want to share a couple, briefly this morning with you uh, just a couple of things that have really kind of made a difference for me uh, in momentum. And the first thought is, because God's called us to take the mountains, it's called us to scale heights and do amazing things, is that a mountain is made up of millimeters. So you can write that down if you're writing notes. If you're not, you can look over at a Christian next to you who is writing notes. Uh, it's easy. You see, it's easy to mistake the supernatural for the spectacular. And, and, and you see, when we look at it, if you, have a, if you imagine a mountain, when I imagine a mountain, I imagine either Mount Cook or, or Mount Arapaho. I actually took a photo of Mount Arapaho this morning. It's on, in the sounds. It's one of my favorite places to be. But if you imagine a mountain, it seems so huge, and sometimes you feel like God's called you to do something massive. But sometimes that paralysis of, wow, that's so big. How can we ever do that? Turns into, oh, that kind of paralysis where you don't do anything. And it's, if, if we, we, we try one or two things, either we do nothing or we think, man, I need to try really hard, and we do this big hype up and this big run up, and, and, and it looks a wee bit like trying to push start a car like this. Imagining the jump streams of the car, we, we get this, we get, oh man, this is going to be really tough, this is a challenge, and we're like, and the car doesn't move, have you noticed that? Uh, some of you may not understand the push out and car analogy, but obviously nearly all of you watch the World's Strongest Man competitions. Obviously. And, and obviously there's a whole lot of guys that look just like me because you've watched them. And they sometimes do this thing called towing a locomotive. And what you see is this big guy, as I said, quite similar build to myself, with a harness. And there's a locomotive, a train behind him. And, and you see him and he just does this. And, and most of us, we, we miss the first most significant step in momentum in that. Did you see it? I'll go back to make it a bit more obvious. That was it down there. You see, the first moment of momentum, the first moment of uh, what I think is a miracle of someone towing a train, is so small, so insignificant. It's like that mustard seed of faith. It's something that's easy to overlook. It's something easy to dismiss. Uh, so instead of doing this big wind-up and run-up, you imagine a world's strongest man trying to, trying to push a train running at it. You're running out, and they can't really run because their legs are too big. They'd kind of... <laughs> and sometimes in faith, we're guilty of that. We get, we're like, wow, God's called us to this massive thing. And so we think, man, I need to wind up. I need to get it going. I need to run fast. And we, we, we run when we don't understand that the mountain is made up of millimeters. 
it's easy to mistake the spectacular for the supernatural. And, you know, it's, it's easy to overlook the testimony of the millimeter. In Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said this, you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth, even if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to here. And it would move. Nothing is impossible. You see, it's a momentum thing. We've got to understand that sometimes that first breakthrough in faith is small. It's easy to overlook that first step. It's easy to overlook the fact that actually, yep, you can take a mountain and try and move it all at once. But sometimes it's far beyond our capacity. But you can take a stone and move that over there. And in the kingdom, if you're faithful with a little, you're entrusted with more. And I believe that's when God starts to add a momentum into this. You know, and I think uh, a, a great example of my life, and once again, the journey is made up of mistakes, is when I tried to be generous, but I, I ran into, you know, you, you try and launch out into something huge, and you haven't taken care of the little. You haven't appreciated the mountain. And, and you can move a mountain in millimeters. You know, maybe in this room, each person could run, limp, hobble a kilometer. Now, that's not very far, is it? Some of you think it is. I don't think it is. But together, if we all ran a kilometer, we're getting past Masterton. You see, so when we work together our little millimeters, we add our little mustard seed of faith. See, I can't believe for my whole city to be saved in a day. But this week, I can believe for this many people to be saved. I can believe for a friend of mine to come to church and maybe receive Jesus. He, he, maybe you, you've got a dream, a mountain of, man, we're going to see Wellington saved. What a great dream. Hold on to that. But remember, it's made up of millimeters. It's made up of neighbors on your street. It's made up of people who stand around the, the water cooler, and, and, and maybe you can't see Wellington saved in an instant right now, but m I believe there's someone in your world, you can, just one mustard seed of faith that you believe that you could have a conversation with them, inviting them to church, talking to them about Jesus, and that's when the, when the, the thing starts to explode, that little millimeter of faith, that little mustard seed of faith. What's so easy to believe for that you almost feel like you don't need faith to believe for right now? See, because when you've got no momentum in an area, that's all you need. Just lean into God, lean in that bit, and just that first little millimeter of faith, that first little mustard seed step, it seems so small, but the locomotive is moving. There is no such thing as an insignificant salvation. It seems so small, it's easy to overlook and think, man, we wanted spectacular, but it was supernatural back there. You just missed it. Those things you're believing for, you've got to, you've got to look for and understand, man, oh, I'm believing for this, but I just saw a little increase. Because the way of the kingdom of momentum is the next step will be a bit bigger because the faithful are entrusted with more and more. And, and, and fairly soon, you see the world's strongest man, even the runner-up, taking big steps. And a locomotive moves 10 meters. But we've got to celebrate the little and, and believe for that little bit, that little mustard seed. See, I love the fact, the thought is that I don't have a lot of faith in some areas, but I, I can believe something really small. 
You know, sometimes I think when we have no momentum in an area, we're guilty of doing the wind-up. But if we just believe God for the thing we think we could already do just about without Him, just to get that first bit of momentum, hold the big dream, amen. Hold the, the whole of Mount Cook is going to move, but right now we can move this one little millimeter of it. We can take this one little area of Wellington. We can make a difference in this place. Start with a small achievable faith goal. You know, don't, don't try and win 15 people to Jesus this week if you haven't won one person to Jesus last week. Why don't you believe for one friend every two months? Yeah, that is so small, it doesn't seem like much faith, does it? It just seems like a mustard seed. But do you know if this church did that? One friend every two months saved, this church would double in no time. It's small and it's achievable. You know, I think in giving, we, we, we've just um, opened a, a miracle offering in our church. And, uh, and I just tell people, if you've never given before, don't aim for 20000 just start with something small and achievable. Start with 1,000. Start with just 500. Make sure you've got the foundations right and everything else right. But, but start. Start there. Start with something small because that's how you start to move mountains. Number two, the second thought I've learned, and, and, and I'm going to be really clear. I learn because other people tell me stuff, and I sometimes listen to them and sometimes I don't, and I have to learn myself. Uh, but focus on what God is doing. Yeah, in my life... We're seeing great things happen in our church. We've got a phenomenal team of people, uh, really blessed. We've got great, I've got great staff in my dental practice. I've got great staff at church, great volunteers at church. I'm really, really blessed to be a part of that team. But there's a whole lot of things God's not doing right now. You know, right now, every week, we have a guy who comes to sh- our church in a wheelchair, and he leaves in a wheelchair. There's something God isn't doing there. He hasn't been healed. Now, he has received Jesus as a Savior. His caregiver has received Jesus as a Savior. But it would be so easy for me to fixate and focus on the fact that he isn't getting up out of the wheelchair. Because God said the lame will walk, right? The blind will see. And it's easy to, to look around and, and notice things that God isn't doing. In and, and, and Matthew 11 too, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about these things. That the Messiah was doing. John the Baptist. This is John. John, who in the womb, when Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, John's mother, met, in the womb, John leapt because he recognized the Spirit of God, which was on him, was on Jesus in the womb. This is John, uh, the man who lived in the wilderness eating locusts and honey. This is John, the one when Jesus said, hey, I'd like you to baptize me. He said, I'm not even worthy to tie the sandals on you. You should be baptizing me. But this is John who baptized Jesus. This is John who stood there when the voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. This is John, the one who prophesied, look, the Lamb of, uh, the Lamb of God has come to take away the sin of the world. This is John who was standing there as the Holy Spirit descended from heaven on Jesus like a dove. This is John. This is John of whom Jesus said, there is no one uh, uh, from, from the time of you know, Moses on, there's no one greater than John. John greater than Daniel, John greater than Joseph, John greater than David, John greater than Moses and Abraham. This is John. But he'd heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. John was in prison. And he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we look for someone else? Wow. Wow. Revelation, full of the Holy Spirit from birth, 
revelation of who Jesus was, announced who Jesus was, saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove on Jesus, heard the voice from heaven affirming who Jesus was. But in that moment, John, are you the Messiah? See, what is at work here is it's so easy. It's so easy when you focus on what God isn't doing. What you don't see him moving the way you expect. This is John who knew that Jesus had stood in the, in the synagogue and opened the scrolls of Isaiah and said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach. Proclaim freedom for the captives. <laughs> that the, you know, the, the, the lame would walk, the blind would see, and all these other things. But hold on a second. Proclaim freedom for the captives. But Jesus, I'm in prison. Someone who had a revelation before anyone else about who Jesus was lost perspective in that moment because he was in prison and Jesus came to set the captives free. And if you focus on what God isn't doing and, and where God doesn't act in the way you expect or, or it's so easy, you can lose even the revelation of who Jesus is in your life, who he is even though you knew it beyond a shadow of a doubt. You can lose perspective when you focus on the area where God isn't acting the way we expect. But this is what Jesus says in verse 4 of Matthew 11. He says, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life. The good news is being preached to the poor and tell him God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. Jesus redirects John. Jesus understands John isn't getting out of prison. Jesus knows that John is going to die there. Jesus wants this guy to finish well. He redirects him. Basically, everything else that is read from the, from the prophet Isaiah in the scroll, that's what he's doing. Tell John what you're seeing. Tell John what I'm doing. Tell John what you're hearing said. Focus on what God is doing. John, focus on what I am doing. John, not the bit in your own life that I'm not. Jesus, to help John finish well, just says, hey, look at what God is doing. Don't focus on what he is not. You know, I love the testimonies of people like Smith Wigglesworth, amazing healer, but he has a daughter that wasn't healed. It'd be so easy to derail one of the most significant healing ministries possibly to ever walk on the planet because he's looking at what didn't happen in his daughter's life. Focus on what I am doing, not on what I'm not. Identify what is God doing right now? What is God doing in your life? Now, it doesn't mean you ignore the rest. In my life, I've got a prophecy that someone gave me years ago who basically was a random person to me. He walked up and he said a whole lot of stuff that prophetically confirmed it. But one of the things he says, John, you're going to walk up to people in wheelchairs and they're going to they're stand and they're going to walk. So I'm still believing for that. I'm still believing for that part of my testimony. But right now, I'm, I'm not discouraging myself. I'm not breaking myself on the fact that's not what I'm seeing. I'm still praying for it. But my focus is on what God is doing. Right now, people are getting saved. People hark back in Christchurch. They talk about this amazing move of God on Christchurch in the, in the kind of late 70s and 80s. But right now, in, in, in three churches I know about, there are more people being saved than the whole of the city was back then. Wow, let's focus on that. 
Let's focus on some of the testimonies we've had. People, you know, one of the amazing testimonies of God's provision, we start praying for people's jobs. We did it again this year. We did it uh, when we were doing a, an e-group leaders training night. So I was, it was really bad leadership plan because we had all the people in New Church and New Christians in the prayer meeting and me. And there was no one else who really knew how we prayed or our style of prayer or just knew how to pray even. Was, it was going back to basics. Okay, everyone, let's pray. We don't just stand here silently in prayer meetings. We actually pray. And if you don't know how to pray in the Spirit, come over here. We'll pray for you. Because all my leaders, there's 39 people getting e-group leaders training, and there's, there's all the other key staff are doing the training. But the next morning, one girl gets three offers of job. And we tell that testimony, and then another person gets offers of job, and then we get promotions and pay rises, and it just happens again and again and again. We have people who pledged, you know, for them what a really significant faith step amount and miracle offering, and then they get an email the next day saying, hey, you're getting a pay rise that's going to cover all of that and more. Uh, another one, hey, you've got a refund coming to you. That's three times the amount of what you pledged. Uh, we have all sorts of, so let's, I can distract myself on, man, there's still a guy in a wheelchair, and I'm believing for him to walk and be healed. But I can discourage myself as a Christian. I can lose sight of Jesus in my life, looking in the areas where God isn't working, when he already is doing something amazing here. The third thing is, once you've identified it, pray for more. Pray for more. When you see what God is doing, pray for more. You found what he's doing, believe for more. Pray for more. In Zechariah 10.1, ask the Lord for rain and spring, for he makes the storm clouds, and he will send the showers of rain, so that every field becomes a lush pasture. Here's the thing, when you've got, when you've, you're seeing very little momentum, find out what God's doing and ask for more. You see, the significance of that passage is it's praying for rain and spring. It's asking God for rain in the season that rains. It's kind of like praying for wind in Wellington. <laughs> it's like, what a, what a weird thing. No, it's actually a very smart thing to say. Understand the season you're in and pray into that season. You know, we started growing in one season of church, and someone shared that scripture with me and opened it up to me, and we started, we just had a, a family come to church. You know, we had a new family come to church. We started praying for families, and we saw more and more families come. You know, we had a Sunday one service this year where we had uh, 105 kids in a single service. You know, I was like, flipping heck, this is getting tricky. But we pray for families. And right now, the, the biggest growth dynamic in our church is people in the age of 40 to 55. So we're praying for more. Now, we have a great youth team, but our youth group's not that big compared with the size of our church. Now, I'm still believing for that. But to a degree, that's not what's going on right now. So we're looking, at, and I'm praying into this area of people are from the age of 40 to 55 because they need Jesus. And some of them may actually have teenage children. That could be the other thing taken care of. But you, you pray for rain in the rainy season. So many times, I'm amazed at people who have outdoor weddings in New Zealand at all. Uh, at all. If you're planning an outdoor wedding, uh, I love you and I'll believe for a great day. But I've seen the pain and the stress of that moment. Uh, it creates pain and stress for me now, and particularly people who do it outside of the right season. You know, people who do an outdoor wedding in April or May. You know, but people, we're, we're, we're guilty of that sometimes as Christians. God, you know, it's the middle of June and we're going, God, I just want 32 degrees and sunshine. It's not the season you're in. You can 
shukamahanda, and you can pray all you want, and you can fast, and you can go without food for as long as you like. But I can promise you there will be frost in June in Christchurch. You can pray about it. You can pray against but why don't you pray in the season you're in? We've got a lot of South Africans in my church. Uh, my wife's one of them. And I just challenge them, you know, you can sit there and moan about, oh, I'm only happy when it's hot. But you moved to the South Island. You, know, you moved to the land of the long white cloud. <laughs> Stop praying for only sunshine. It's not the season. It's not what God is doing in June in Christchurch. I don't think it's much different here except you don't get the frost, eh? Pretty much. You get the wind instead of the frost. On Monday morning last week, uh, I've just moved house slightly rurally. It was negative three. And I took a photo of myself on my motorbike as I left home. I was going to post on Instagram and something made me pause, which is great because a kilometer down the road, I was not on my motorbike on the ice. Uh, uh, and, and I've got kind of significant bruising on uh, both sides of my body because of that moment. Uh, uh, you know, and, and it's the reality in Christchurch that if I want to ride a motorbike, I, I shouldn't probably ride it in winter. On rural roads in Christchurch, which have a millimeter of sheet black ice. So I had to text my wife and say, hey, babe, I'm just going home to get something. I didn't tell her what it was. It was a car because my motorbike was broken. Uh, uh, you, you start staff meeting this morning. I'll be there soon. Um, so I went home, and she wife's into situation had figured out what had happened to me. I don't know how. It was quite frustrating. <laughs> Trying to keep it a secret. But now I don't have half of a motorbike. Uh, it's kind of scattered around the old West Coast Road of Christchurch. But it's going to be frosty in June. Pray for rain and rain. Understand the season you're in. Stop trying to pray against the season you're in. I understand when you're, when you're single, sometimes it's easy to look at people who've got a girlfriend or a boyfriend and go, wow, I wish I had a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Now, it's not bad to believe for a wife or a husband. But understand the season you're in. Be happy in the season you're in. Maybe if you're happy in this season... <laughs> you'll seem happy. And then maybe the season could change because you seem happy, not frustrated or angry. My observation is people who are unhappy as singles are unhappy engaged because they were looking forward to getting married. And then when they get married, they're still <coughs> unhappy because they're not used to being in the season they're in. So pray for rain in the rainy season. Pray for more of what God is doing. Number four, stay in your lane. This is kind of the season thing again. And momentum, you lose momentum when you start focusing on what God is doing for them in the negative comparative way. When you start comparing yourself amongst yourselves, Paul said in Corinthians, those who compare themselves by themselves, amongst themselves, with themselves, they are not wise. It's not wise. Stay in your lane. You know, there's so many people, they're running the race, but they're like, oh, I like what she's got. How, how come she got that? How come she's got, oh, ah, and they get out of their lane, they trip over. They're, they're busy looking at what other people, uh, is happening for them, and not in a faith way, but in a negative comparative way. Oh, why don't I have what they have? Well, if you stay in your lane, you'll have what God's got for you, and it's far better. It's far better than what he's doing over there for them, because what he's doing for them is for them. Stay in your lane. You can, if you can focus on what God has gifted and called you to do and run in that way and pursue that to the best of your ability, and I do that in my lane, and Pastor Jordan does that in his lane, and we have uh, Nigel doing it in that lane, his lane, and we have all the people, I can't see the faces so well, the names, 
oh, look at the whores doing it and they're lame. If we have all that happening, wow. But when we have a 100-meter race, we're like, oh, I want to be over there. Oh, we just have a crash. You know, the only person who has permission to run the 100-meter race looking around, there's only one person in the world who can afford to do that, and they probably can't now, but he could, is Usain Bolt. Because he, he was just so fast that he could win the gold medal in the Olympics by a long way. The rest of us stay in your lane and run and focus on the prize because it's a season thing. Don't, don't get distracted by envy or just distracted by what, what, once again, what God isn't doing for you, but is doing for her. Oh, I want that. Just stay in that space because it may be their summer, but it may be your winter. And sometimes in wintertime, the seed's got to grow down before it'll grow up. And you can be like, oh, well, I want all the external stuff. I want to see those breakthroughs that are visible and obvious. And God's all like, yeah, but I want your roots down. So when you it happens, you're strong. I'm more interested in your downward growth right now than your upward growth. What time do I have to finish, Jesus? Now? Yep. The last thought, number five. It's just good because I've only got three lines left in my notes. When you see the little breakthroughs and momentum, those little steps, they may not even be as big as you want. may not be as significant, but it's celebrate the wins. I love the thought, and it's a well-known scripture. Jonathan goes out, starts an amazing breakthrough with Saul, does an amazing move of God. You know, him and his armor bearer go up, and they start a victory against the enemy. And Saul makes this really, really rash vow. Oh, if anyone eats today, they'll be cursed until we've completely destroyed the enemy. Jonathan wasn't there because he was out there actually winning, uh, actually doing what God called him to do. And so when they get the, they're in the battle, he's getting tired, and he finds wild honey. He scoops down, and he just takes a bit, and he puts it to his mouth, and it says his eyes were brightened. When we celebrate the wins, the partial breakthroughs, the, the incomplete victories, it gives us strength to go again. That builds momentum. When we're like, oh, well, I'm only going to be happy once all of Wellington's saved. You'll possibly never be happy because it'll be someone else born. Oh, someone else came into the city. Oh, no. I can never be happy. We've got immigration. Oh, no. Other people are not saved came into the city. Celebrate the little wins. Because what we celebrate, we maximize. And in this place, I believe that, that there's going to be a, a time where there's a pushing together in Wellington and Clippers, but there's going to be a time of momentum if we can remember some of the basics of momentum. There's going to be a time where there's momentum in businesses, there's momentum in the marketplace, there's momentum in salvations. You know, where we start to see an impact in, that's far-reaching out of this place. But sometimes we just have to remember that the mountain is made out of the millimeters. Take that first step. Why don't you stand to your feet in this place? I'm just going to pray a real simple prayer, and I'm going to let someone take over from here. But yeah, if there's an area where you just believe in God to add momentum in your life, there's an area there's a tension of faith where you believe in something. Why don't you just lift up a hand to God in this place? Father, I just thank you right now. 
for every person with their hand raised, Lord, I thank you for this church, Lord, I thank you for the leadership of this church, Lord. I just pray, Lord, for faith to be deposited into their spirit right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, there'll be faith to see friends saved, to see loved ones saved. There'll be faith to see breakthrough. Lord, there'll be faith that you will always accomplish what you've purposed by your word, that it goes out and it comes back achieving what you've uh, you, you've ordained for it. So, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name for faith in this place, Lord. And I bless every person. Uh, and, Lord, we just pray, Lord, for just a momentum gain in this city. Lord, a momentum gain in the hearts of believers. Lord, just little steps of faith in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.